Welcome listeners, citizens of Ark City. Today's episode is a continuation of a conversation that we've had for several years now. I realize that all of the people listening today come from slightly different perspectives. If you're European, you might not understand much about this conversation, and it's maybe more American to you. I don't know. I think you'll understand more at the end of the episode. If you're someone who believes in this cause, but is curious why we're you know, still talking about it, I promise you that there are new and refreshing things to hear and to think about. If you think that this might be political and you're worried about that, it, it really isn't, and we stay firmly in the ski racing world the whole time. But I've talked too much already. Let's dive in. And we are back. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and welcome to Arc City. Arc City is presented by Ski Racing Media, and this episode is sponsored by Magic Mind. More on that later. And I'd like to shout out Sync Performance for supporting me this year and giving me a rad suit to race in. Now, before we get started, I'd like to simply tell you to stick around for the history nugget this week. It's about the rapid rise and fall of knee-high ski boots, which is kind of funny. I'll have a short little bulletin at the end also. Now it's time to hear from three young black athletes who were part of a National Brotherhood of Skiers camp back in August at the U.S. Ski Team Center of Excellence in Park City. Everyone just calls it the COE. Uh, the ages were between 15 and 21. There were a few alpiners, freestylers, and a mogul skier. The goal of the camp was simply to get these athletes exposed to an elite training regimen in all of the aspects of it. So, without further ado, snowboarder LJ Henriquez, alpine skier Fante Gilbertson, and mogul skier Kennedy Hicks. Kennedy, LJ, and Fante, welcome to Arc City. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so let's just go through your basic backgrounds first before we kind of dive into this. Um, LJ, we'll start with you. Um, how old you are, what your sport is, and where you're from. Um, I'm 15 years old. I'm a park snowboarder, and I'm born in Brooklyn, but raised in New Jersey. Okay. When you say park snowboarder, uh, what events do you do in snowboarding? Uh, for park snowboarding, I do slope style and rail jam, and I'm starting to do half pipe a little bit. I can't help but notice the Red Bull hat on your head. Um, that's cool. We can, we can, let's actually, let's dive into that story right now. We'll get to the other two in a second. Um, okay. when were you sponsored? And like, can you tell that story briefly? Cause for those uh, who don't know in the ski industry or in the action sports industry, like, uh, the Red Bull sponsorship is a big deal. It's usually they only sponsor like big athletes or up and comers so um yeah uh so basically like honestly two years ago this month i think it was so you know the indoor place they called big snow it's yeah, like New in Jersey. The yeah yeah so they were doing an event there and zeb powell gave me my helmet at the event and it was like a big surprise that's cool that's really cool and uh what what's that been like like have, has it been kind of crazy like suddenly it's been, pretty, it's been pretty crazy it's really sick 
they send you out to a good amount of trips. So it's just like all around really fun. Awesome. That's really cool. Um, well, we can talk about that more, but I would like to get to Fante. Uh, age, sport, where are you from? Um, I am 18 years old. I am from Minnesota, Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'm originally adopted from Ethiopia when I was three. I moved to Minnesota. I've been living there since, but I'll be taking a PG year um, and skiing Alpine at Stowe with Mount Mansfield Academy this next year. Nice. Cool. When did you, like, how did you get into skiing? Like, what wh- was your family like, oh, let's try this? Did someone suggest it to you? Yeah, so my dad actually um, skied in high school. He raced for um, high school team and uh, Ski Hut, which is the old Buck Hill ski team. And um, growing up, I've just always done the sports because I'm such a daddy's girl. And um, yeah, I just really love uh, skiing. And I got into it probably around, started skiing. My first time I skied was about three, four years old. And um, I did some ski camps throughout the years and then fell in love with racing around eighth grade year and um, joined Gilboa out of Highland Hills, Minnesota and been skiing since. Cool. And, uh, like I, I, tell me about what Alpine skiing means to you. Like, is it, is it like, oh, this is just fun or is it kind of provided a higher sense of purpose in your life? So I would say definitely both. Um, skiing has definitely been like a huge outlet for me, like throughout the years, like I'm a huge sports person. I've grown up doing all different types of sports, martial arts, softball, lacrosse, golf, any sport you can really think of. And so I just love to be active and I love to be outdoors doing stuff. And really that's kind of what skiing was in the beginning. And then as I started getting more competitive, going to like junior championships and skiing club or going to state with high school skiing, um, I definitely found like a more competitiveness with it. And I could definitely see myself going long-term at a higher level. And that's kind of what I'm doing, taking a PG year, um, kind of trying to take the next step in my ski career and seeing if it can take me to a professional. Nice. Cool. Okay. And last but not least, Kennedy, age, um, sport, and where you're from. I'm 16. I'm a mogul skier, and I'm from Maine in Sugarloaf. Oh, cool. My cousins ski up in Maine. Um, Love Sugarloaf. It's cold, but yeah. Um, But Sugarloaf has produced a couple of mogul skiers over the years. Um, How did you get into the sport? And when did you get into the sport? Well, when I was seven, I joined a like a, a ski program. And I got into freestyle a little bit. And I just fell in love with it. Nice. And then do you go to CVA? I do. Okay. And, and goals are like, um, us ski team, all that. Yeah, definitely. Nice. I want to definitely go to a Noram and then make my way up to a world cup. Gotcha. Okay. Well guys, let's, let's, um, I guess I'll, I'll ex- probably explain this in my intro. Um, but I get the reason you guys are here is because you're at the, you're or where you are. You're at the center of excellence or like in park city, getting a whole bunch of info from the US ski team. What is it? It's like, run me through the basics, like nutrition, workouts. I don't know. Um, it's like 
they teach us about like the amount of nutrition we should have. So like what portions of like carbohydrates, like protein we should have with our meals. And like we did a psychology lesson today. That's all I really know. <laughs> so we've got to do a lot of cool workouts. We've got a workout with Steve Nyman um, yeah, today. Um, we awesome. also have been eating at the COE. So it's been really cool to see um, how Steve, their chef, cooks, makes us our meals throughout the day. Um, done a lot of, uh, we did some force plate testing. We did a skills quest, um, which kicked our butts a bit. Oh but no, was... they ran you through the skills quest physical <laughs> yeah, testing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was really bad. I yeah. mean, it was fun, but it was bad. Um, and did, did, we've got- Did you do the beep test as well? Yes. Yeah, that's what yeah. we started with. Not wow, fun. Well, welcome, to the, welcome to the COE. Wow, okay. <laughs> Not so fun living level and then having to do the beep test at uh, like 11,000 elevation higher than what you're used to yes yeah it's it's no joke yeah um and do you guys feel like um everything you've i mean this is an honest podcast here like we we tell the truth i want you guys to speak clearly do you feel like it's been helpful because sometimes i've gone to camps where i'm like this stuff we learned was like mind-blowing like really helpful and sometimes i go i'm like I feel like I know this stuff. Where does hmm. it fall in that range? Um, with a lot of like weight, like working out and stuff, I've known quite a bit of that stuff, but with nutrition and the psychi like a psychological stuff, I've learned a lot. Gotcha. What about you, Fonte? Um, I would say uh, I kind of agree with Kennedy quite a bit. Um, I'm an athlete that's come off of an injury the last few seasons. And so really getting back into working out and like learning the proper technique and strengthening some of those muscles that need to be fixed and like relearning how to do a lot of these motions was really good. Um, as well as for me, um, I'm coming into like some of the older age as getting in a higher competitive level as a PG and a U21. So a lot of the like marketing and the social media, I really took to sponsorships wise um, and kind of being able to start making my own brand for myself and what I uh, kind of stand for and what I want uh, to do with my future. Yes, and I'd actually love to come back to that. Um, let me just make a note of that because um, that is that is really cool. Um, so the you're at a uh, National Brotherhood of Skiers camp, and this is just from the website, um, just for the listeners. Uh, the mission of NBS is to identify, develop, and support athletes of color who will win international and Olympic winter sports competitions representing the United States and to increase participation in winter sports. Um, I've, uh, I've talked to Henry before. I actually interviewed him briefly, but I never ended up publishing the podcast. Um, and then um, I talked to, do you guys know the name Andre Horton? I've heard it. Um, I don't know if I could put a face to the name, but I've definitely I heard should, that around. I should connect to you guys. He was the first, I think I'm getting this right. He was the first black skier on the US ski team, alpine skier, um, skied some Europa Cups, very fast super G skier and downhill skier. Um, and I interviewed him um, on another pod back when I worked for Ski Racing Media and I had Ski Racing This Week podcast. I interviewed him. Um, and he talked about the support from NPS or NBS, sorry. And um, he had some incredible stories to tell about um, 
the support of NBS, but also the community of NBS. Um, so I guess the floor is yours in terms of um, we can actually go individually, but like how much interaction you guys have had with the organization and um, and how much it's helped you guys, I guess, up to this point. Want to start, Kennedy? Yeah. So they have been supporting me for two years and I love being a part of this team. Um, I just, I went to the summit in Colorado, Vail, Colorado last winter, and now I'm here at Park City with them. So, okay. Been... Wait, actually, I want to ask about the summit in Colorado because yeah. I've heard that's a, a really cool event. It is. Yeah. Like, tell, so, tell me about it. Like, uh, there's like a, there's a ton of skiers there, right? Yeah. 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 So pretty much the team goes and we get, we get interviewed and we talk about just our journey through being a skier and what is like going on with our life and how we got here. Gotcha. Cool. Um, yeah. Fante, have you been to any, um, summits? I have not been to any summits. This is my first year with NBS, but, um, this camp has really been awesome. It's been really fun getting to know like fellow athletes. And um, obviously we have like just a portion of, cause we have 29 athletes, I believe this year and just nine of us are here currently. Um, okay. But it's been really fun. It's like basically just another family. And a lot of what we even talked about out here is how much you can rely on each other. And even though we all do different sports or some of us do the same sports or we're based out of different cities all over it's really cool to have people that you can connect to and you can be um pushing them as well and um getting support from them as well gotcha um yeah lj have you been to any summits or or like what's your experience been with mbs so far um mbs has been really good they like they helped me with my schooling tuition this year which has been really helpful so that helped me go to the boarding school i wanted to go to this year um, this is my second year on NBS, but sadly, I did not get to go to the summit this year because I was in a tour event at Copper that was at the same time. So I was unable to go to the summit. Gotcha. That's cool. That's cool, though. tour, like, you know, yeah. um, not bad. I also heard that you've done some um, some uh, like film projects. Has that been cool? Uh, yeah, I've been doing, I, so I'm working with this one filmer called Cuban Lou, and he has this crew called Technically Doing It, and it's just all the black snowboarders from around the U.S. and some from out of the country that he brings together to, like, film projects with. Awesome. And does, is Zeb Powell in part of that? Yeah, so it's, I can name a few of them. It's So it's me, Zeb Powell, Zeb Powell. Adros Mitchells, I want to say, Roland Zem something. I don't know his last, how to pronounce his last name. <laughs> oh, good. Um, we have Rob Rofler. Who else? Uh, Irie Jefferson, Stevie Bell, and then you might know this name, Keir Dillon. Um, not sure I've heard the name, but um, that's a cool project. And Zeb yeah. Powell, I follow Zeb Powell. Um, I just came across him on Instagram one day and I was like, wow, this guy's cool. He sends it on yeah. the snowboard. Um, for those who don't know, he's a, he's a snowboarder, Red Bull athlete. He um, has thrown some of the sickest knuckle hucks in X games history. Um, 
and yeah, um yeah. and and so um i guess like my question with with that and being part of that group is um what does it mean to you to like have a role model like zeb like in a sport that's like super white and you go on the mountain it's like mostly white people like what is it like to have like that group of guys and like zeb to be a role model it's really sick just because like one he's like a really sick role model to look up to because you can just learn so much off of him from what he does but it's so sick riding with all those dudes because we all just bond like a family because we all yeah. went through the same thing growing up, all being like one of the only black snowboarders at the mountain until now where it's like getting more diverse with the snowboard industry. But the projects Lou doing gets to bring us all together and we all get to have fun and just like be bros and hang out together. And it wouldn't be possible without like Lou. That's correct. Reference Cuban That's- Lou, upcoming filmer, just started like two years ago. And he just got a partnership with the U.S. pipe team. Gotcha. Cool. Um, so this company called Magic Mind sent me a few bottles of their product. Basically, it's just a bunch of good nutrients for brain functioning. There's matcha in it. There's vitamins. There's some nootropics. And it's been super helpful. I used it for several days in a row at a recent training camp. And it was especially helpful because they were super long days on the ski slope. 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. session and then a 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. session the same day. And trying to wake up quickly in the morning, I've never been a coffee person. This just felt gentler, gave a nice focus, got rid of the brain fog. And by the way, all of the ingredients are all natural, and they're all approved on the WADA list. So, yeah, I want to thank Magic Mind for supporting the podcast, supporting the old brain. You can get some at magicmind.com slash arccity. I recommend the subscription because you get 56% off with the code ARCCITY20 or 20% off a one-time purchase, again, with that code ARCCITY20. By the way, this is legit. There are some pro surfers that use it, and I'm a fan of them. So anyways, link is in the description, and let's get back to the interview. I guess that brings me to this question that I've been that I've been wanting to ask you guys, which is kind of like, do you sometimes like you like you just want to be a skier or a snowboarder and you don't want to be a black skier or a black snowboarder like the fact that you're at this camp like it's cool because you guys are um you're kind of leading the charge in terms of making the sport more diverse um and so i to me it feels like the conversation of race is important but i wonder if you if you guys you kind of get tired of it fonte you're nodding your, you're nodding your head yeah, I mean, this has definitely come up in topic this week um, quite a bit. Uh, a huge thing that we've talked about is, yeah, sometimes you're going to be put in uncomfortable positions and being one of the only black people in a predominantly white sport. But the fact is, is that we also get to be, we get to pave the way for people who are younger than us that um might like feel the exact same way and we get to be role models to them whereas yeah we might have a few role models but being able to have such a big knit group here and be able to start making um a step forward and change and um bringing more diversity into snow sports is just really cool and so yeah we do feel uncomfortable sometimes or i can speak for myself at least um and i just gotta think that i like I am uncomfortable, so I want others to know that 
they don't have to be uncomfortable. So I want to take that for them. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and, you know, um, LJ, you mentioned this like brotherhood of and bonding over this similar experience. Um, like Kennedy, have you had that kind of thing too? Yes, I am one of the only black skiers on the mountain and it is, wait, what? Hmm? Sorry, can we restart? <laughs> oh, can I was you... just asking like, like in terms of like finding this bonding, like is, is NBS kind of like where you find this bonding over a similar experience with other black skiers, um, that kind of thing? Uh, yeah, I don't feel as diff like I don't feel that different. I'm just happy to be a part of this mission because it is really important to me for all like ethnicities and athletes to even try the sport. So, yeah, definitely. Um, I, when I talked to Andre Horton, um, he said that he rode up the lift with, um, with a with an older black woman, and when she found out that he was on the U.S. ski team. Um, she just started crying and she was so emotional thinking about like how important a role he was playing in, 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 um, improving the diversity of the sport and being a role model to black kids who, who didn't think that like it was really a sport for anybody else. Um, so I don't know if you guys have, have come across these kinds of powerful, like that, to me, that story was very powerful. I don't know if you guys have have interacted with people who who share that kind of um, appreciation for how, like how big it is, like what you're doing, I guess. Um, I can speak on that a little bit. I wouldn't say like uh, a random person. Actually, um, I had ended up talking with Benjamin Alexander, the Jamaican skier who skied in the Olympics last year. And it was completely random kind of Instagram DMs. And um, it was actually really cool because being able to have a role model like that, even someone who in later years of their life decided to dedicate themselves to be able to represent their country at Olympics and promote more diversity while doing that um, has been really cool. And to know that he is out there supporting more um, African-Americans on the ski hill and um, even reaching out to athletes like me that he sees collabing with uh, sponsors and stuff like that is really cool to know that there's people out there um, telling me that if I need help or if I um, just need to talk to them or ask them about their experiences, knowing that I have support like that from people like me is really cool. That is cool. Yeah, it's really cool. And it's cool he's doing yeah. that. I can add on to that. Just like, I've had like I've met people just like this year alone, just other like black skiers and snowboarders. And it's just like they've just given me so much advice just to you that I could use in the future and just like helping me out with stuff that's been like in the moment and just giving me so much advice that could like help me out in the future and also help me out in like upcoming events. Yeah. And being at the summit last year, people are just so proud and happy that this mission That's is happening. So cool. Yeah. Do you have like a, like Kennedy, like, was there in, in like one specific interaction or one person you met um, who was just really cool or you had a good conversation with or something like I that? Mean, I, I had a lot of good conversations. <laughs> so I can't really say that one was better than the other, but I would just say the whole experience was cool. Gotcha. And 
any of you can answer this, just raise your hand. Um, what would you say to uh, a, a black or, or really anyone who is not white listening to this podcast who feels a little bit um, like they're a loner in the, in the snow sports world? Um, like, what would you say to a young athlete? Um, yeah, just go out there, go be yourself, because eventually people who are going to want to be around you, they're just going to, you're going to be surrounded with them instead of you being nervous and not knowing anyone out there. You can just go out, have fun, and eventually you'll be surrounded with people who are like you and enjoy the same interests as you. Nice. And it's just like everyone, if you like snowboarding, like what I take that to mean is kind of like find people who, who value you and also like snowboarding. And that's, those are fast friends, huh? Yeah. Like, I think that's the beautiful thing about skiing is like two random people can from completely different backgrounds, no matter what two random people can meet on a chairlift or at a ski lodge or, or just anywhere, anywhere in the world. And it's like, you like skiing or whatever you like snowboarding. You like it? Oh, cool. Let's talk about it. Next thing you know, like, like it's like such an instant bond. And I, and I think there are so few sports out there like that, but there's something about like going down a mountain or like bearing out the brutal cold or bad conditions or something with other people is like, there's, there's something transcendent. I don't know if you guys agree with that. Yeah, yeah no, I do. I totally agree. Like, honestly, I know you had mentioned like you just like sometimes you just click with people just because of a similar love. Like honestly, I'm my best friend right now in the whole entire world. I met her because of a ski thing and it was just really random. And I truly am thankful for that because sometimes like, yeah, I might be the only black skier in central and to like have um, just to be able to find people who just love skiing as much as I do and put in the work ethic and want to be at races um is really cool and so there's a lot of that I think it's really cool that a sport can just bring two people together so like bondly because my best friend is also a skier so yes yes I like I was talking to um Wiley Maple who's a a American speed skier and he, he was saying and he like spent a year out of the sport like kind of quote unquote retired and then came back and um, or actually officially retired and then came back. But he was saying in his year away from the sport, he he realized many things. But one of them was like how cool and fun the people are in snow sports. And just like the the strongest friendships you're going to make are like, like traveling with and competing with um, like people in skiing or snowboarding. And it sounds like you guys, that's, you're kind of finding that out along the way. Yeah, for sure. I definitely like, there's no one that knows it better than someone else who's going through the exact same thing as you having to do those early morning wake up trainings or long hours in the car or race mornings and DNFing or having injuries and just like, it's really cool how close um, and just teams can bring together athletes. Yeah. Um, and oh, shoot, I had a great question in my head and I forgot it. Um, it was, yeah, it was, a, well, I guess we'll move on to the next one. Um, I was wondering about, um, when like for you, for instance, like LJ, you're in the city, you're like, you're adjacent to the city 
in New Jersey. And when you tell people that you're like a pro snowboarder, like, or like your friends at home, they're like, what do you do? Like for me, when I, um, like my girlfriend lives in New York city, I, I meet people in New York city and they're like, what, what, what are you doing? Like, what on earth is this sport that you do? So I don't know if you experienced that kind of thing. Um, honestly, I don't, I didn't tell a lot of the, a lot of the kids I didn't even tell in my school. I just don't tell them. So <laughs> they found out when like the school posted me on like their social media and they're like, you snowboard, you're a pro snowboarder, you snowboard for Red Bull. <laughs> what is that? And they started figuring out why I'm always away. They started putting the piece together and they're like, oh, so you go on snowboard trips. That's why you're always away. And yeah, it's just kind of like, they're just kind of confused because it's not like a normal sport. Like my town's a big football town. So when they find out I snowboard, it's like, that's a little odd. <laughs> yeah, that's I. That's funny. Um, You know, I was talking to, do you guys know um the name Ralph Green? Yeah. Is it a, is it uh, an alpine skier? Alpine skier. He's a Paralympian. Yeah. One-legged. Yeah. One-legged Paralympian. Um, I interviewed him on on this podcast, actually, Arc City. You guys should listen to the episode. I I love talking to him. Um, <laughs> and what was that, Fonte? Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> All good. Oh, oh, but no, but you know him. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. 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 Oh, cool. Yeah. Um. He's cool, cool guy, and and um, had a great conversation with him on the podcast. And um, black skier, one legged, and like didn't come from the sport at all. Like he started skiing when he was fifteen, like after he lost his leg, um, because someone from the Paralympics reached out and was like, "Hey, this is one of the sports you can do." Um, but he came from Brooklyn, grew up in Brooklyn, and oh, that's where I'm, yeah, yeah, and so and so. And so to wrap this back to what you were talking about, LJ, um, he was saying like one of the um, kind of barriers to um, getting more people of color involved in in skiing and snowboarding is that he's like, put me like I was one of the best one legged skiers ever, like put me on a poster in Brooklyn, like put a poster of a black snowboarder somewhere in New Jersey, like that that stuff matters. And and then there's like, you're, you're showing people like this sport is cool. And like, everyone does it, you know? Yeah. So there's these two organizations. Well, they're like, they're like NBS, but like, it's called hoods to woods foundation. And they bring kids from the hood to the woods. So they'll like bring kids from like New York and like Patterson and they'll take them like to mountains to snowboard and then there's other ones. This is this other one called Shred Foundation, where they bring kids from like upstate New York and like New York, and they bring them to this mountain called Wyndham. Mm-hmm. And cool. they just give these kids that wouldn't really have the opportunity to snowboard the opportunity to snowboard just to have fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Um, do you, uh, does Red Bull ever, um, say like oh like what what is something that you want to do is there a film project you want to do or is there you know a cause that's important to you because it's it feels like they have the resources to kind of help you with i know you're only 15 like <laughs> i realize it's like there's a lot on your shoulders but um do you ever think about that um they haven't asked me like if i wanted to film something yet i haven't been on long enough and i'm not really old enough to do all those films because i still gotta gotta go to school 
so I don't have like, time to go film. But they've like asked me what I want to do, and it's kind of just bring black snowboarders and skiers that don't have the chance or the opportunities to go to these mountains and try a new sport and activity and introduce these to new communities that they would never be able to find if they would just have stayed where they're from. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, uh, Fonte, you mentioned that the, this, uh, camp you did here, they talked about building a social media presence. Um, do you got, have you guys thought about how important that would be in terms of this kind of idea of, uh, showing people that there, there are, you know, a, a good number of black skiers and snowboarders out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I like personally, like I definitely haven't dove as much into social media for my skiing as some of the other athletes that I know, but definitely something that I'm working on as I'm getting older and getting more competitive and wanting to share more of my story. Um, and so I definitely think that social media is a great way as we've talked with a lot of the marketing and the U.S. ski team has been so helpful with a lot of um, their professionals working with us and talking to us um, about how good it is to be able to post, even if it's not about skiing, it can be about your regular life, your friends, uh, family, whatever it is that you like to do to show like yourself, but also show um, your appreciation for the sport that you love to do and why you're out there having fun and doing it. Um, yeah, so really, I think social media is definitely a great platform to show more diversity in snow sports. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, do you guys have someone in the room who's making you laugh or is that me? <laughs> someone just walked in the back, so we were just like, sorry, there's, there's a lot of people no. in one house. No, it's good. It's good. I didn't know if you're laughing at me or not. Um, no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I figure. I figure you guys probably have people like trying to listen in or something. Um, yeah, there's people. Shout upstairs. out the people in the back. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Henry, 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 come say hi. Henry, come say hi. Um, oh, this is Jimmy. This, 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 this is Henry Rivers the fourth. What's up? Hey, Henry. How's it going? Okay. I'm. I'm good. How are you? More people coming too. <laughs> uh, okay. So in the back oh get away go they're go all in the back. yeah there's like it's nine okay, of yeah. us oh there's oh. all nine of you are there in that place well there's nine of the 29 athletes so there's me fonte kennedy we have the rivers Bo triplets are yeah there. the rivers triplets we have bogali giddings and then jana jana and then the other athlete he doesn't stay here he stays in park city keegan supple oh, okay. keegan supple and he's uh he skis world or he's like big air world cups sometimes yeah, he's or he's supposed to be this year or something uh, yeah he's coming off of injury so but he'll be back skiing this year cool um so people listening people another person to watch out for um who will be broadcast um so guys we're we've got about like 10 minutes left um yeah, sure. and i like want to make sure that you guys can kind of say what you want to say so um, if there's anything on your mind or if you're like, you know what, this is one thing that like people don't talk about or like maybe they get wrong um, when they're talking about skiing or race or literally anything in the conversation we've had so far. You can take a second too. I mean, I mean it's um, kind of a broad question. Not exactly what you're kind of going off of, but just 
another thing is we aren't able to do what we are and be able to pave the way without the support of MBS and like being on this team. And like, we have so many sponsors that are so amazing that help us and support our athletes. Um, and to be able to do what we do and be able to, um, bring more diversity into skiing and promote some of these athletes that are going to go world cup or, uh, compete in the Olympics someday. So it's really cool to be a part of this. And I think, um, like people out there that are listening, like just supporting foundations like this, um, is really like a big thing that helps. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, MBS is supporting us and that's also, we're a team and we all care about each other a lot. And so the fact that we can also support other black skiers or people who want to try the sport is very cool. It is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And to the skiing community at large, um, do you guys, just so people kind of are aware of, of, of your experience, like, have you guys had any like uncomfortable experience, like beyond uncomfortable, but like a little bit like icky experiences that you wouldn't mind sharing? Um, No, I can't really think of any. Okay. Have, have there been times at which, um, like, you felt very welcomed and you were like, oh, wow, like, I wish, like, everyone in the ski community did this? Definitely, for sure. Is there, like, a, is there like a, a thing you can think of or a story, Kennedy, or sorry? Well, I mean, I would say, yeah, I have felt more welcomed in some situations than others, but I do feel sometimes like I'm the only one. So when you, there's other people around who are like me, I feel definitely more welcomed because, you know, it's, it's, there's two, there's more than just me. Yeah, that makes sense. Definitely. Um, yeah. So I, being an older athlete, I got to travel a lot more this year out West. I'm from central region and got to compete at a lot of races with people from all over, whether they were national races or, um, uh, high level fist races. So I've definitely, one of the biggest things that I can say is there are so many, like this sport is so small, but yet so big, like the community is amazing. So I have friends from all over and people who support me at races that I just met at races. And so this community being so being able to just accept people for the skier that they are, whether their ethnicity, their religion, background, whatever, is just, it's cool to have people that you meet all over, whether maybe your team isn't so, um, like your home team isn't so accepting, but like behind that, it's just really cool to have supportiveness like out West and anywhere else. Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess that's, that kind of brings us to the end of, of the interview. And, um, I don't know, uh, if you guys have anything else left to say. No. <laughs> wait, wait, well, but thank let's, you for let's, having let's, us. Thank you. Yeah, so thank you. Of course. Awesome. Well, well, Hey, you know what? We've got, I've got five minutes left on my clock here. So, um, let's, uh, who's over there. Is that, is that Henry? Yes. Yeah. How you doing? Doing? 
hey, why don't we bring you in, Henry? And um, and just I, I'd love to hear if you have anything to say. Well, I think, you know, I'm glad that you took the opportunity to interview these three young athletes. They're they're new to NBS. I, I was sitting there cringing a little bit when you asked them about Andre and Ralph and they really didn't have any knowledge of them. Um, that's a shortcoming on my part and your and the National Brotherhood of Snow Sports because we have to educate them as to the athletes that came before them that laid the groundwork that these kids are really excelling in. I'm listening to their responses to you. They were all right on point. They were very good. Uh, I'm proud of what they said. Um, again, uh, you know, you've got to understand, and that's that's our part as an organization to make sure they know who Bonnie St. John was, uh, Sieber Johnson, Andre Horton, Suki Horton, Lawrence Samuel, Justin Samuel. You know, there's a, a, a long, long list. Um, Brandon Purnell, you know, Errol Kerr. You know, there's just so many. Um, we need to make sure that they know the history. Um, and and I sort of, there's always going to be discrimination and there's going to be some un, unwarranted or unwanted interactions out on the hill. But for the most part, as, as Pante said, the snow sports industry is a welcoming industry. We're small, but most people that I've run into, I've been skiing 52 years. Um, most of the people that I run into, some might be shocked initially, but then once you ski with them and you have fun and next thing you know, you're lifelong friends. Today, they have, we had um, a presentation by a sports agent. When he walked into the room, he looked at me, goes, we met in Beaver Creek. And I was like, and I'm looking at him, you know, you have on ski gear, so you don't even really know who's who. And we actually were at uh, Birds of Prey and we were on the chairlift together. We we're talking. No idea I would walk into this guy and we would uh, recruit him to speak to our young athletes, yeah. sport agent. So it's a really small community. It's a, I, I believe it's a welcoming community. Those that are not welcoming are really not part of the community. Uh, they're outsiders that are, are, we're gonna call them day ticket people. Uh, they come up to the mountain for the day and then they go back home. Uh, but people that are hardcore skiers and riders and snow sports enthusiasts, they embrace inclusion. And, and, and that's what we're looking for. That's what we're looking for. And, what we're doing here with these young athletes, like I said, we have 29 athletes. What they're doing with the, what we're doing with these 29 athletes is it's going to be ground. It's really going to change the complexion of this, of the sport. I love that. And one kind of question to, to, to take us out here. When people, when, when I ask someone, what's the most pressing um, challenges or things we have to fix in skiing? You know, people will say climate change, or they'll say ticket prices, but why is, you don't have to explain it to me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm fully sold on increasing diversity and inclusion in the sport, but what would you say to someone who, who doesn't realize that this is such an important thing for the sport to have, um, 
every possible color of people on the mountain. Well, you, you know what, I'll tell you this, the resistance or the, the um, obstacles that are put up are based on fear. Uh, you know, we have a house full of athletes here, so, you know, there's always going to be going on? guests and clowns in the background. I'm sorry, oh, sorry someone, someone fell down the stairs. <laughs> but, oh, um, no. But let me, they're, they're fine. But I'm, I'm going to tell you the problem that we have, it's not climate change, it's not diversity, it's not inclusion or equity, it's fear. People fear change. People are thinking, well, if we get a lot of people of color, athletes of color in the mountain, that's going to take away from us. Or if these young athletes become phenoms and superstars, that's going to take away from a white athlete becoming a phenom and a superstar. No, it will not. What it's going to do, it's going to make the United States that much more stronger. All right. It, mm -hmm. What we do with our athletes, helps America. It doesn't just help our community, it helps America all over. When we go to Olympic competitions, they're not looking, they're not lifting up the goggles and taking off the helmet to see if that's a black American or a white American when they hand out that medal. When we come back home with a medal, that's what matters. So what we do, what black athletes do, what white athletes do, what Asian athletes do, what Hispanic athletes do, we win for America. So what we're doing here, it's all for us. It's not one race, it's all for American race. I love well, that. Yeah, and I think it's been so awesome just being able to be partnered up with the US ski team, especially letting, having us out here. I know uh, Mr. Rivers has worked really hard um, on getting this opportunity for us and it's been really amazing. Yeah, it sounds like it. I hope that every U.S. ski team athlete and snowboard athlete listens to this podcast and listens to what you just said, Henry, because that was like, it was, it was, you said it perfectly. So I'm not going to say anything else. Um, thank you guys very much. I'm going to end the recording, but don't get off just yet. Um, thank you for visiting Arc City. Yeah, yeah no thank problem. you so much. Thank Jim. you. huge huge thank you to these young athletes for taking the time for that interview and for humoring me um i was incredibly impressed by how maturely they handled that conversation talking about race is isn't easy and it was a very easy graceful conversation a couple of highlights for me included lj's spider-man moment in school he was a fully sponsored red bull snowboarder just casually not telling anyone at school about it for a while I think that's epic. All three athletes also talking about how snow sports just transcends. It creates amazing friendships. That is why I love skiing so much. And finally, another highlight was Henry talking about the skiing world and how it's welcoming. Like the prevailing culture is welcoming. And so the MBS is not complaining by any means. They're simply empowering as many people as they possibly can. Um, they're just, they've got a cause. 
this whole subject brought to mind an experience I had a couple of years ago. I was walking with a few of my U.S. ski team teammates on an off day by a lake in Italy, and along the way, I struck up a conversation with an Italian woman in her 20s or something. She asked about the ski team, et cetera, et cetera. Then she pointed to the group of boys nearby and asked me, that's your team? And I was like, yep, that's the squad. And she said, but but not him. He's not American, is he? She was pointing at the one guy on our team who's half Asian. Um, yeah, he's fully American, born and raised, I told her. I had to explain to her Americans could come in every size, shape, color. I thought the experience was just kind of goofy, but it was also very revealing. So when Henry talked about the Olympics and what it means for anyone from the U.S. to win a medal, that story came to mind. In some ways, we've made huge progress, especially in the U.S., but in other ways, there's still a long ways to go. It is time for the Skiing History Nugget. If you skied in the 70s and early 80s, you'll remember that ski boots were weirdly short. Enter Dan Post. He was an engineer who spent his weekends at Jiminy Peak, and he hated the strain that ski boots put on his shins. So he designed a boot that increased the cuff length from 7 inches to 14. By the way, I'm getting this information from an article in the June 2003 issue of Skiing Heritage Journal, uh, written by Seth Mazia. I also referenced a 1980 Sports Illustrated article. Anyways, Dan Post, he got a patent for this tall boot in 1973, and then in 75, he updated the design to include a spring. Like he, he literally put a piston style shock absorber on the front of the boot from the toe to the top of the ankle. He got an Austrian shoe manufacturer named Hermann Kastinger to collaborate with him, and then they brought in Porsche to develop the design. The result was, quote unquote, a sleek black machine. Other companies kind of found out about this tall boot and took notice. And so in 1980, Four knee-high designs hit the market. The Castinger Porsche, the Nordica Polaris, the Technica Squadra, and the Dolomite Secret Weapon. I, I found this great full-page ski magazine ad from 80 or 81 that says in big letters, Stein Erikson has a secret weapon. So everyone agreed that knee-highs were more comfortable, and they gave you more leverage. People disagreed on exactly how that leverage worked. And, but anyway, in 1981, Debbie Armstrong, an American speed skier, she had previously broken her leg skiing downhill, and then she raced a few World Cups with the Nordica Polaris on her healing leg, and weirdly enough, a normal Nordica GT on her other leg. But actually, this is fascinating to learn because when I broke my leg, it was horribly painful to ski even after six months when it had healed. So I got these custom carbon shin wraps made that went underneath my liners and they spanned from just above the ankle to just below the knee. And they gave me way more leverage um, and spread out the pressure and it made my tender leg much more manageable. And actually this carbon shin thing has become pretty common amongst broken leggers, but also 
I've heard that Marco Odermatt, you know, the World Cup phenom winning everything right now, he uses them too, never broke his leg, just likes the leverage they give him. Very interesting. Anyways, after three years, no one was making knee-high boots. Like 83 hit, and the, the industry had cut them out. Some people attribute this to the boots looking stupid. I mean, it was weird for sure. Others said that the ski industry is afraid of innovation. They pointed to how long it took for shape skis to come around. Regardless, knee-high boots did make a lasting impact. From the early 80s onward, boot manufacturers settled on a boot height that we now use today that's a little taller. If you want to see what these look like, just fire off a Google search. Definitely worth it. By the way, I'm absolutely fascinated by these. So if anyone out there has a pair lying in the garage or even just knows someone who has a pair, please contact me. I want to try them. I've got a quick bulletin for you guys before we bring in the old earth, wind, and fire. First off, Forrest Carey, legendary former U.S. ski team coach, is trying to put a rope toe in Round Valley in Park City. The idea is to create a cheap and easy access to learning to ski and learning to ski race. If you've listened to more than 20 seconds of this podcast, you know I like easy and cheap access to skiing. So, if you want to help Forrest battle the naysayers and make this thing happen, hit him up or ask me for his contact. Or message me and tell me why it's a stupid idea. <laughs> Second bulletin. Go to profeski.com. That's P-R-O-P-H-E ski.com if you want to partake in fantasy ski racing this season or a prediction challenge. A buddy of mine, Tristan Lane, started this website and it seems to be a fun way to stay engaged with the World Cup season. And our third and final bulletin. You can find Arc City merchandise at arccity.org or jimmykrupka.com. Either one will get you there. The long sleeve shirts and sweatshirts are especially comfortable. All proceeds go towards funding my race season and 5% goes to the Share Winter Foundation. By the way, the stickers are kind of expensive, I know. I mean, everything's a little expensive just because it's such a small scale. Uh, but if you see me on the mountain, stickers are 100% free. Just a little pro tip there. And that will bring us nicely across the finish line today. I hope some part of this podcast made you think or was interesting or at the very least made your drive or your walk or your workout go by a little faster. So until next time, don't forget to tell your friends about Arc City, pray for snow, and dream about carving curvatures. I'm Jimmy Krupka, and thank you for visiting Arc City. Arc City.